1160 WYLL Chicago. Welcome to the Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus. Our world is full of incomplete solutions, leaving people searching for more. God's only solution for all mankind, for all time, is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Grow in relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, because your purpose is far greater than the day-to-day circumstances of life. Let's join Greg for the Solution Radio Show as he shares from God's Word with us today. Today we will look at God's Word regarding the wisdom in speaking His Word. Our interview segment in the second half is with Congresswoman Virginia Fox. Congresswoman Fox is the author of God is in the House, Congressional Testimonies of Faith. It's an interview that I trust you will definitely enjoy. But first, let's begin to take a look at God's Word, and I'd, I'd like to start by asking a couple questions. In this so-called enlightened day and time, is the preaching of God's Word profitable? Is it worthwhile for you or myself to speak to others of Jesus Christ and all that he has accomplished? Well, we're going to answer those questions, and we're going to look at the Word of God to get the answer. If you have your Bible handy and would like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll uh, be quite a bit in Corinthians uh, during this segment. Uh, verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross, the preaching of Jesus and his accomplished work is to them that perish foolishness or nonsense, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Here in 1 Corinthians, we read that Paul was sent by God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was not sent to preach a feel-good or a you-can-do-your-own-thing or, or go-your-own-way or it's-all-good kind of message. He didn't use the wisdom of men's words to try to trick or coerce. He spoke the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you're listening right now and you think that the preaching of Jesus is utter nonsense and foolishness, and that only someone weak would trust in Jesus. Well, I'd be concerned because we read there in those verses that that is how one who is perishing thinks. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to those which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is salvation to those who believe. The preaching of the cross is comfort to those who are afflicted. The preaching of the cross is health, to those who are sick. The preaching of the cross is peace to those who are tormented. The preaching of the cross is strength to those who are weak. Continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's uh, start at verse 20. It says here, where is the wise? And the one here who it's talking of as being wise is one who is wise in the things of this world. Where is the scribe? That would be one who is skilled in philosophy or the man-made religions of this world. In verse 20, it also says, where is the disputer of this world? That would be one who inquires and debates the things of this age. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Sure he has. What is this world's wisdom? Some examples might be, there is no God. Or, Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't the Son of God, nor did he die for my sins. Another one, I don't need Jesus, I'm a good person. Or, everyone goes to heaven, don't you know that? We're all children of God. Or, the government will take care of me. You know they care for me, and they have all the answers. 
Or we all have a little God in us, and all we need to do is just tap into that universal consciousness. Or another one, just be tolerant of each other. We all believe in the same God anyway. Those are some examples of the wisdom of this world. Still in Corinthians there, verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by man's wisdom knew not God. It, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks or the Gentiles, all others, seek after worldly wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Gentiles or the nations of the world foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. To those that believe, Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. He is the power of God because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He is the wisdom of God because he is God's solution for man's redemption. Continuing in verse 25 there in Corinthians, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If God could be foolish, his foolishness is still wiser than the wisest of men. If God could be weak, his weakness would be stronger than the strongest of men. Uh, continuing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul operated the Spirit of God when he came into Corinth. There were signs, miracles, and wonders wherever and whenever Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continuing in verse 5, it says that your believing should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. And I'd like to read uh, that verse there, verse 6, in the Phillips translation. It's, it's a great translation. It says, We do, of course, speak wisdom among those who are spiritually mature, but it is not what is called wisdom by this world, nor by the powers that be, who soon will be only the powers that have been. Wow, who are the powers that be? Well, it's the God of this world and, and his minions and his operatives. They soon will be only the powers that have been, and we will see that come to pass at the return of Jesus Christ. Continuing in Corinthians there, verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God regarding the mystery, even the hidden wisdom, and it was hidden since the foundation of the world until God made it known to the Apostle Paul, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Unto whose glory? Our glory. Your glory. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Continuing in verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. None of the princes of this world knew the mystery hid in God. The devil and his spirits did not know, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's start here at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, 
even as unto babes in Christ. Why? Verse 3 tells us, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Don't we so often see that today? Some say, well, I'm with this group, or I stand with that man. Well, how about we stand with God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? God is God, and Jesus Christ is the head of the body to which the church belongs. All members of the body of Christ have the same head. Not any one member is any more important or any more valuable than another. Each member is in the body where it pleases God. Carnal thinking, which issues in envy, strife, and division, that's the wisdom of men. It's worldly wisdom, and it's foolish. Continuing in Corinthians verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, for we are laborers together with God. When I first heard God's word back in the 1970s, one of the first people to speak God's word to me was the mother of my college roommate. And she told me not to stop reading God's word, but to keep reading God's word. And I had really never even read the Bible up till that time, but that sticks in my mind. Another time I was at a Chicago Bears game in the fall of 1977, and there was a group of people there handing out Bible tracts. And I talked to them for a while, and I was very interested in what they had to say. It stirred my heart. And then in May of 1977, the Gideons were at the college campus at NIU, and they were handing out Bibles. That was the first Bible I had ever received in my life, and I read the Bible, and I couldn't put it down. It blew my mind about what it had to say about God, about Jesus Christ, about life, about who I was. And then finally in about 1978 is when I began to go to a small Bible fellowship and to learn God's Word. Did any of those first three, my college roommate's mom, the tract handout at the Bears game, the Gideon Bible, did they fail because I didn't go to church with them? Absolutely not. In this so-called enlightened day and time, the preaching of God's Word is profitable. They were planting and watering God's Word. It is a worthwhile endeavor for you to speak to others of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for you. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 20, the angel instructed the apostles to go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Let's you and I, let's go stand and speak. Let's speak on the streets. Let's speak in the mall, door to door, at the market, at the beach, at work, on vacation, to all the people, the words of this life. Let it be said of us that we have filled our cities with the doctrine of Jesus Christ and that we have shown forth the wisdom and the power of God by the words that we speak. Your labor, it is not in vain. There are great rewards throughout all eternity for those that plant and water the hearts of mankind with the word of God. As you go forth speaking God's word, loving people with the love of God, you are planting seeds and you are watering the seeds that have previously been planted. And your reward will be great, for you are a laborer together with God. I'd like to encourage you to visit the solutionradioshow.com and following this short break, 
we will chat with Congresswoman Virginia Fox, author of God is in the House. This is The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, exploring God's solution for all mankind, for all time, Jesus Christ. Our guest today is Congresswoman Virginia Fox. Virginia represents North Carolina's 5th District in the United States House of Representatives, and throughout her time in Congress, Virginia Fox has established herself as a champion of conservative values and has helped lead the national movements to reduce federal government spending and increase government oversight and accountability. Representative Fox is a visible leader in the House Republican Conference, where she regularly takes a stand for the principles of individual freedom and limited government. She is the author of God is in the House, Congressional Testimonies of Faith. I'd like to welcome Congresswoman Virginia Fox to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it so much. And I very much agree with you that Jesus is the solution to all of our problems. <laughs> Amen. And I do want you to know as well that uh, we've been praying for the residents of North Carolina with all the floods from the hurricane. And I trust that you're doing well there. You're dry where you're at. We are, because, you know, I'm in the mountains and the upper Piedmont, and we have not had the problems that they've had on the coast. And even in the center of the state, which doesn't normally have the level of flooding that uh, that we have been having in North Carolina. Now, it can flood all over North Carolina, but uh, fortunately for us in the west, uh, the mountains tend to break up the hurricanes. So. Okay. Um, we we get pretty severe weather in the winter time, but uh, this one hasn't hurt us as much. Well, we'll continue to keep your people in our prayers there for sure. Thank you so much. Now, your book, God is in the House, Congressional Testimonies of Faith, I, I've read most of it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, what was your purpose in writing this book? Well, you know, Greg, I, I am the a very unlikely person to be in the Congress of the United States. I grew up in a house with no electricity, no running water. I was 14 before we had electricity and running water. And uh, my mother is sixth grade education, my father a ninth grade education. And so I've told people all along that my being in Congress is obviously an act of God. Well, when I got to Congress and uh, attended the weekly prayer breakfast on Thursday mornings, I found out a lot of other people felt that way. Mm. And uh, well, I always knew there were people of faith in Congress, but when I heard other people's stories, I thought, you know, the public needs to know about this because particularly in the last few years, they've become so cynical about elected officials. And I just thought, golly, people need to know there's a better side to us mm-hmm. than what they hear from the media. And that's why. And by the way, uh, Greg, all the proceeds from this book go to the National Prayer Breakfast. And actually, the National Prayer Breakfast grew out of the House of Representatives' weekly prayer breakfast. So we're all big supporters of the National Prayer Breakfast. And so that's where the proceeds go. And a little bit will go to the community college that I used to represent in western North Carolina because I, w- I want to help the students there improve their lives. Not one penny will come to me, not one. That's great. That's very generous of you to, to make that available to others. Now, Virginia, can you tell us some of your story, how God time and time again answered your prayers and directed you on the right steps to take that brought you to Congress? 
Well, the most dramatic, the two big dramatic things happened to me. I was the president of a community college, and uh, the trustees and I came to sort of an impasse at one point after I'd been there uh, almost seven years. And, you know, I, I loved what I did there, and I wanted to stay there. And God gave me a message. He said, Virginia, these people are like Joseph's brothers. They mean you ill, but I have a plan for me. Trust me. And it was the first time that I really felt God in control of my life. And so I did trust him. And as soon as I told the board, I said, you know, I'll resign. I have no animosity towards you. I really would like to stay here, but I'm going to resign. I want to finish some projects I'm working on as a special assistant to the president, consultant, and then I'll move on and everything will be okay. Well, as soon as I resigned, um, the party came to me and asked me to run for the state senate, which I did. They asked to run for the legislature, and I ran for the state senate in a district no Republican had ever won in. And I just knew God intended me to win that seat. I worked very hard, and I won. That was in 1994. Then when I decided to run for Congress, uh, it was an extremely tough election, one of my opponents in particular was just making life miserable for me. And I got down on my knees one night beside my bed praying. I said, Lord, I really only want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to have misread your direction for my life. If this is being done out of my ego and not from your guidance, I really need to know that. And... uh my phone rang. It was 9.30 at night. And I even said, Lord, I won't be like Gideon and ask for two signs. I just need one, Lord, just one, to tell me, am I going in the right direction? Because I want to go in the right direction. I want to be in your will. Phone rang. It was the pastor of the church we were attending. He said, I called to tell you I'm praying for you. Well, I just went all to pieces, and I told him, I said, Marshall, should I consider this a sign? And he said, I would. Mm. And I said, well, why is this so difficult? He said, Virginia, the evil one is trying to stop you. Right. He's doing everything he can to discourage you. This is not God's work. It's the evil one. Well, it changed my entire attitude. And uh, I came in second in the primary, but I won the runoff handily. And so um, I, I just really feel like God is guiding my steps. And I'll tell you, Greg, he's so good to me. I don't deserve it. I, he, he just encourages me every week. That's wonderful. Every week I have some encouragement. A person comes in my path or somebody encourages me or I'm able to accomplish something I thought impossible to accomplish. And so I'm not sure why God is so kind and good to me, but he is. And I feel so blessed. Well, that's wonderful, Virginia. He loves you dearly, and he's got his hand of uh, guidance and direction on your life for sure. Now, you know, I, I think it might be interesting for people to hear a little bit about the Bible studies and the prayer caucus on Capitol sure. Hill, if you could tell us a little about sure. that. Sure. Well, um, there are lots of Bible studies and prayer groups that go on every week. I am in one that was begun about uh, 17 or 18 years ago by a group of women. 
uh, encouraged by Senator Tom Coburn. The men had a group. The women went to him and said, you know, we'd like that too. And he found them a leader. And that group's been meeting. We now meet in the Capitol. We were meeting it off campus, but about six years ago, I guess, we started meeting in the Capitol. And uh, it's bipartisan. We have a, a leader, and we do our Bible studies every week. We meet at 8 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. And then, as I mentioned, there's the prayer breakfast on Thursday morning. But many members meet. They rotate from one member's office to another at the beginning of every week, our prayer caucus gets together during first votes. We vote usually at 6.30 at night, either on a Monday or Tuesday at the beginning of the week, and our prayer caucus gets together right after the votes to pray. We pray for each other. We pray for our president and our vice president. We are totally nonpartisan in our prayers. We pray for each other and our leaders. That's encouraging to hear that there's prayer on Capitol Hill and Bible studies. Um, and you know, we begin every session with a prayer mm-hmm. and the Pledge of Allegiance. And we're in, we are allowed to bring in one guest chaplain from our own district uh, once each session. We have a paid chaplain. The Senate has a paid chaplain. I don't know if they have guest chaplains in the Senate, but we're allowed to have guest chaplains in the House. Okay. Well, that's great to have all of that available and uh, people be able to pray together and so forth. Now, in, we've only got about a minute and a half left, but in 2 Timothy 2.2, it does state that we are to pray for those in authority so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Um, what do the prayers of God's people for you mean to you as a congresswoman? Oh, Greg, I cannot tell you how important they are. And I often credit those prayers with the my ability to continue to go. You asked me about, you know, how do I continue to do what I'm doing? Uh, it's it's difficult some days. I don't don't minimize that. But knowing that people are praying for me, and knowing there are godly people out there who want so much to have the kind of country that we believe God intended this country to be. It just means so much. And I tell everybody when they, they'll ask me, well, what can I do for you? And I always say, pray. If you can't do anything else, pray. If you're just joining us on the Solution Radio Show, our conversation is with Congresswoman Virginia Fox, who is the author of God is in the House, Congressional Testimonies of Faith. Uh, Virginia, how can our listeners order your book? Uh, well, I suggest they go to their local Christian bookstore. I'm a big supporter of, of local Christian bookstores. But if they can't get it there, uh, Shadow Mountain is the publisher. If you go to the Shadow Mountain website, I'm sure you can find it, or you can go to Amazon. I know a lot of people have ordered it from Amazon, but it's, it's on the Internet. If you put God is in the house in my name. And we might tell people, Greg, that Fox is spelled with two X's. Okay, I will put on uh, those links on our website. Thank you very much, Virginia, for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. You've been wonderful. God bless you. The Solution Radio Show archives are available at thesolutionradioshow.com, along with resources to encourage and help you in your walk with God. The Solution Radio Show is supported by listeners like you. Make a donation today to join in sustaining God's work at thesolutionradioshow.com. 
You've been listening to The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, and we thank you for joining us today. God bless you. You are God's very best.